one time for the city. My city. Boy, I'm from the land till I die. Till I die. Till I die. On the east side till I die. Till I die. Till I die. Bubbing that bone thug till I die. Till I die. Till I die. In the hood, I'm good till I die. The Raiders are back in beautiful, fabulous Las Vegas where the weather is not so bad like it was in the land yesterday where the Raiders defeated the Cleveland Browns by the score of 16-6, therefore making it a victory Monday on the Rebel Report podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Steel Talks Raiders. On the Rebel Report Podcast, I am your host, Brandon Steele. The Raiders victorious by the score of 16-6 to over those Cleveland Browns. The Browns move to 5-3. The Raiders will move to 4-3. and And what a game it was. It was windy. It was wet. Um, I learned the term grouple for the first time in my life. It was during that Fox broadcast of the Raiders game. Grouple, I guess it's the mixture of hail and rain. I just thought it was sleep. But apparently it's Grupal. Grupal, hell, rain, snow, whatever it was, it was coming down a lot in Cleveland. Had to deal with the wind. 38 to 45 miles an hour of wind consistently throughout the football game. It was football weather, and it was big boy football style for both of these teams. As the passing game was com- was taken away completely, we saw a throw to Henry Ruggs from Derek Carr early in the fourth quarter where Henry Ruggs probably had six or seven yards of separation on the defender, and the wind just took that ball with it. Um, Derek Carr in a dome definitely is hitting Henry Ruggs on that, and that's a touchdown, but the ball up there in the air, the wind took it. So the Raiders knew right there, hey, Derek Carr has made a lot of good throws, but the wind is not going to allow it. We have to get the ball out quick. We have to get the ball out short, and most importantly, we have to run the football, and that is exactly what the Raiders came to do. Now, real quick, in the preview show of this Raiders-Browns game, I had expected a shootout. It wasn't until Friday morning or Saturday morning I hopped on AccuWeather and I heard all these rumors that, wow, it's going to be bad um, weather throughout the entire Midwest, the entire East Coast. It's going to be extremely windy. It's going to be extremely wet. And everything changed. If Baker Mayfield struggles as is with making decisions throwing the ball, they're sure not going to let Baker Mayfield throw it too much in the weather. And with Josh Jacobs being the Raiders running back, a real Gruden grinder, and a guy who had a huge game, we'll dive into that in one moment, I didn't think that John Gruden would want to throw the ball too much either. But it's fair to say Gruden gave Carr plenty of opportunities to throw the ball around where Derek was 15 for 24, 112 yards and a touchdown. So right there, the 112 yards is not like Derek Carr this season. That just goes to show how bad this weather really was in Cleveland. But if you want to talk pretty statistics in this football game, it's got to be Josh Jacobs, 128 yards off of 31 carries. And Josh Jacobs is the first Raider with 30-plus carries in a game since Darren McFadden in Week 12 of 2012. That is such a long time ago that the Raiders have had such a consistent rusher in one game. Uh, Devontae Booker played well. He had 5.8 yards per carry, and he really kind of ignited a rushing offense that for a second in the first half seemed a little bit stale. Josh Jacobs saw 
His partner, Devontae Booker, looked good, and it ignited the fire inside Josh Jacobs, who I already thought was going to have a big day, whether the weather was going to be bad or not. Josh Jacobs is not the type of guy to come out and have back-to-back bad performances. And one thing that I'd like to point out is, in my preview show, I said Josh Jacobs is going to come with a vengeance in this football game on Sunday. He's going to look really good, and John Gruden is going to allow him to carry the rock. A lot of people in the media, the Raider Nation, were saying, Josh Jacobs is in a little bit of a sophomore slump. He's not as good as he was his rookie year. And a lot of it came off of the bad performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks, who again had the number one run-stop defense. Jacobs only had 17 yards in that game. But this is why you can't be quick to judge a superstar talent like Josh Jacobs. He has 70-plus scrimmage yards in 17 of his 20 career games. So he missed a couple games in his rookie year that kept him off the field completely to do the job. And then in the game against the Tampa Bay Bucks was the first time that we ever seen Jacobs get staunched at the line of scrimmage. He came back and he hit the Cleveland Browns in the mouth and was smiling while he was doing it. The 128 yards off 31 carries. He wasn't able to have a touchdown, but Josh Jacobs was in my opinion, the main reason why the Raiders were able to win this game. Along with the aggressive play calling, the bad weather proved that it was going to be hard to settle for those field goals. It was going to be hard to throw the ball down the field. John Gruden just said, let's go I formation. Let's get behind one of the best fullbacks in football, Alec Ingold, and give it to one of the best running backs in football, Josh Jacobs. The Raiders were 2-2 two and two on fourth downs in this game, and I loved the aggressive play calling. The Raiders proved that they can win a very grimy, gritty, go-get-em type of, type of football game. That, that's exactly what this game was. Um, I had said it earlier in the week that the Raiders find themselves at a point in the schedule where they play Cleveland, they play the Chargers, they play the Broncos. These are all challenging games, yet very winnable. And it was a challenge yesterday in the land, but the Raiders were able to get the job done. They ran the ball so well. And what's amazing to me is they were able to run the ball extremely well again against a run-stop defense that's ranked five in the NFL. And they did this all without Trent Brown once again. Now, if you don't know, go ahead and slow yourself down here because Trent Brown hasn't been on the field a lot. But if you didn't know, because a lot of us didn't know until after the game where Ian Rappaport from NFL Network broke the news, Trent Brown was hospitalized after a pregame IV injected air into his bloodstream. So when the news came out that Trent Brown wasn't going to be able to play, I was thinking to myself, look, how can you have illness when you were just in isolation because of COVID? What's going on here? Another game without Trent Brown. But it turned out it was a bad mistake and Air was injected into his bloodstream, which is extremely dangerous. Trent Brown had to stay in Cleveland overnight. The team found out this news right away. Um, The Raiders rallied together, and they said, hey, let's go get this win for Big Trent. And the Raiders want Trent Brown on the field for obvious reasons. Mike Mayock is paying Trent Brown $21 million this year alone. He was the first free agent signing that Mike Mayock brought over to the Raiders. So, of course, we want to see Trent Brown on the field knowing that he was going to play in this game and then we had the mishap with the IV. All you can do now is hope that he's okay and hope that you get him on Sunday because the Raiders are still waiting for that big offensive line to all be on the field at once. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about the Fab Five that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have built for themselves in the trenches. And that's Colton Miller, who's been playing great. He's proved to be one of the 
best left tackles in the entire National Football League, and it's the truth. He does not give up a lot of pressures. Um, coming from that side, Derek Carr is usually not on his behind a lot, coming off the left side, his blind side, mind you. And when the Raiders drafted Colton Miller a few years ago, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher right away for me because the Raiders desperately needed defense. They desperately needed to go get middle linebackers in that draft where it was the likes of Roquan Smith and um, Tremaine Edmonds and plenty of other players. But now, Colton Miller, you know, 100% healthy, extremely knowledgeable, great football player, and they've teamed him up with Richie Incognito, who's yet to be on the field a lot this season. We should, could be getting him back Sunday against the Chargers. But that Fab Five that they built, Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, Rodney Hudson, an all-pro center, Gabe Jackson, another guy who's been playing out of his mind this year, and then Trent Brown, you would love to see all five of those guys together to block for Josh Jacobs. Imagine what Jacobs could do behind that line on a consistent basis. He probably could average 100 if you're going to give him 25 carries behind that line, but we've had yet to see it due to the injuries. Instead, you have to give a lot of props and kudos to Tom Cable preparing Denzel Good to slide in either at right tackle or left guard because Denzel Good has done an outstanding job for this offensive line. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker able to get right behind him and run the ball very efficiently well. So I was extremely pleased to see how well the Raiders were able to move this ball in the bad weather without Trent Brown once again. It's a very grimy go-get-em win for the Raiders to push the Las Vegas Raiders to 4-3 and three in us at a victory Monday. But what about the opponent here, the Cleveland Browns? 5-2 and two coming into the game, now 5-3. and three. They're in an AFC North that's extremely competitive. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens played. The Steelers won by four. They moved to 7-0. and oh. And quite frankly, Lamar Jackson did not look very good. The Ravens' run attack looked good. And then for the Browns game, the bad weather. Baker Mayfield was able to go 12 for 25 for 122 yards. Kareem Hunt had a pretty decent game. They didn't score a touchdown. They were held to two field goals. Jarvis Landry might have caught his first touchdown of the year, but it was overturned because he didn't have possession of the ball on the way to the ground. Jarvis Landry, he frustrated me a lot watching this game in the standpoint of being a Raider fan. And we still needed to see a lot more out of this Raiders defense, even though the Raiders had won the game and only allowed um, 16 points, or excuse me, only allowing six points and not having a touchdown be given up on them. But still a lot to be desired. Starting with Corey Littleton, he's still, we're still waiting on him to bust out of his shell. He missed multiple tackles in this game. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, he played better. He might have made his two best plays as a Raider. One, Baker Mayfield put the ball in the back of the end zone. Joyner, 5'9 or 5'10, able to get vertical, bat the ball down, create a third down. And then two plays or one plays later, a tight ball to Jarvis Landry. LaMarcus Joyner levels him in the back of the numbers, breaks that pass up, and it's a turnover on downs. And the Raiders will go on to pick up another first down and go to victory formation and knee. So those might have been the two best plays we've ever seen out of LaMarcus Joyner, but still a lot to be desired. The Raiders have to get better at open field tackling. I understand the weather was bad. The field was extremely sloppy, but there were multiple plays where Jarvis Landry is looking for contact, and we are just not wrapping him up. 
He had a play where Trayvon Mullins unable to get low on him, trying to arm tackle him, or basically just kind of like a hockey move, just body check him out of bounds. Jarvis Landry running full speed looking for contact. That's not going to work. Um, it is not a optional choice to want to tackle in the NFL. I mean, some of these guys like contact. Jarvis Landry definitely does. And so does Kareem Hunt. We had an extremely difficult time wrapping these guys up early in the game. And another game where the Raiders defense didn't have any sacks. Would love to see the Raiders start getting into the backfield more. They only had one tackle in this game that resulted for a loss. Um, 223 yards allowed. They did have a turnover. Nick was able to force a fumble, and he had a great day. Might have been one of his best games played so far as a Raider. Big number 44, the man in the the man in the middle who wears the green dot on the back of his helmet. He commands the defense to the best of his abilities, and you just can't help but wonder, like, with Quate calling the plays for the defense, you have young, good players on the edges, Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby, Trayvon Mullen on the outside, Jonathan Abrams, who's, you know, a high-motor guy flapping his jaws, trying to get into the opponent's head. You would want to see just a little bit more help defensively, and the trade deadline is this Wednesday. Will the Raiders make a trade? I would love for them to make a trade because, as I had said earlier, the Raiders can really only go up from here. This was a win that needed to happen. They moved to 4-3, and three, and the Raiders can start their trend of playing the AFC West. Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, all in a row. The schedule makers really want to see the AFC West beat up on each other because the Broncos and the and the Chargers played on played Sunday as well, and that game came down to the wire, and Denver was able to squeak it out. So the Raiders, when they meet up with the Chargers, they're going to be in an extremely bad mood, and then vice versa for the Raiders anytime that they line up down there in Los Angeles. But anyways, the Raiders can really only go up. And with the trade deadline being on Wednesday, if Mr. Mayock can make a move defensively, that's only going to bolster this defense. Offense, I'm not really, you know, flirting with the idea of bringing more offensive players. I like where the depth is at the wide receiver position. In this game against Cleveland, the weather was too bad to throw, but Henry Ruggs was able to get involved. Hunter Renfro had the touchdown on a beautiful route down there by the goal line. You have one of the best tight ends in the league, Darren Waller. Nelson Aguilar has been a great signing. Zay Jones is still on the team, even though he didn't really get the ball looked at his way the last two games, but the point is proven. There's a lot of depth for guys that can come out and catch the ball, but there's not a lot of depth on defense when Jonathan Abrams was unable to play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was Jeff Heath. And although he gave his best efforts, there's plenty of other talent out there in the in the uh, trade market that the Raiders could go get in the secondary. There might be a fire sell over in New England. That's a hot commodity right now. What can the Raiders flirt with giving Bill Belichick maybe a number, you know, a first round pick for Stephon Gilmore? It's an idea that a lot of Raider fans ponder right now. And plenty of teams in the NFL that are looking to make the jump into being a more serious contender will flirt with the idea of giving a number one pick over to the New England Patriots for Stephon Gilmore. The Raiders would love to see him do it. It's a high asking price. Mike Mayock would love to build through the draft with John Gruden, but Stephon Gilmore, if traded to the Las Vegas Raiders, you have Trayvon Mullen and Stephon Gilmore and having good corners and good safeties make your defensive line much better because then you could get those coverage sacks. 
where the secondary is so sticky on the wide receivers that now the defensive line, the longer that the quarterback's holding the ball, they can find themselves in the backfield. I have an article on the Rebel Report website, five potential trades that the Raiders should make. One that I would love would be Geno Atkins from the Cincinnati Bengals, a nice presence right there at the defensive tackle position, right up the nose, get a little bit more push. This is a guy looking for a resurgence in his career. Maurice Hurst was injured in the game against the Cleveland Browns, and Maurice Hurst has been one of the brighter spots at the defensive tackle positions, but a lot left to be desired from Malik Collins and Jonathan Hankins. These two guys have not done much in pass rush. Bringing a guy over like Geno Atkins, who's looking for a breath of fresh air, respark his career, um, have Rod Miller and Ellie who puts a lot of trust into his defensive linemen. That could be huge if a trade was made and you could get him fairly cheap fifth or sixth round pick. I mean, Everson Griffin was traded for a sixth round pick. Um, and that's just mind boggling to me. So there's plenty of moves to be made and it can only go up from here. And ultimately in this football game, it goes back to a lot of what analysts were saying about Baker Mayfield is this guy's going to make his mistakes quite a bit. In the game against the Raiders, Baker Mayfield didn't throw an interception. He didn't make too many mistakes. But, man, the Cleveland Browns dropped a lot of footballs. Off the top of my head, because I don't have the number quite yet, I think five drops. David Njoku with a key drop. Jarvis Landry had two key drops. Harrison Bryan had a drop. Kareem Hunt had a drop. I mean, there you go right there. If the Browns catch the football a little bit more, their drives stay going because a couple of crucial drops, the one to David Njoku was a third and medium. He had plenty of room to run, and that could have set up a possible touchdown, and we might be talking about a far different football game if Njoku makes that catch, even in the end zone. If there's the Jarvis Landry touchdown, um, if he has possession of the ball going to the ground, the game's completely different. I think that the Browns proved that they still have a lot to – you know, they still have a lot that they need to improve on, but they did prove that they are have a very good defense. Um, Olivier Vernon showed up. This is the first time in a long time that he was able to get a sack. In fact, he had two sacks in this game. Miles Garrett, he's a threat, and the Browns are pretty good at wrapping up when they need to wrap up good tacklers. They buzz around to the ball, almost had a couple interceptions in this game. They proved that they're on the right track, but I still, I still kind of proved myself right in the theory that, hey, they only beat the Cincinnati Bengals twice. They beat a bad Dallas Cowboys team barely in a shootout. And they beat the Washington Football Club. When they played Pittsburgh, they got staunched. When they played the Raiders, they didn't get demolished. They didn't get beat um, too bad. You know, the Raiders beat them, but it wasn't like, oh, man, they're just struggling so bad. That wasn't the case at all. The weather was bad. Baker Mayfield tried to game manage as best as he could. The Raiders just were connecting better and executing their plays. Cleveland's on the right track. But this just goes to show that the Raiders, at the end of the day, it might be, you know, five or six steps ahead of where the Cleveland Browns are. Kevin Stefanski in his first year, you can only do so much. Having Odell Beckham Jr. injured does not help your cause. Or Nick Chubb, especially in a game where if the Browns had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt pounding in the weather, could have been a completely different ball game. But since Baker Mayfield finds himself so popular in the media, I'm not going to beat the drum and say he played bad because I don't think he did. I think the Raiders executed their game plan offensively, and they just came to win. They wanted it just a tad bit more because as we look at the schedule, the Raiders are going to be getting healthier. Hopefully, Richie Incognito comes back. Trent Brown comes back. 
Brian Edwards comes back. And look at the schedule. You have Chargers, Broncos, and Chiefs all in a row. The first two games are extremely challenging, but still very winnable. Don't even want to think about that Sunday nighter against the Chiefs yet. Who knows how that's going to go. But hopefully the Raiders, Mr. Mayock, can make a move at the deadline. The Raiders can get healthy. For now, let's enjoy this victory Monday. And we will see you again on the Rebel Report podcast where I will preview the Raiders and the Chargers as we move in to week nine.